You know, there are many things in life that you, you and I may not understand. Are there things that you don't understand in your life? I, I don't understand a lot of things. I, I don't understand quantum physics, for example. And, and there are a lot of things. And, and for some people, some people can't understand modern art. I heard about a young woman who went to her first art show one time and she studied each painting very carefully. And one, one of the paintings had this huge canvas that, had black, that was black with yellow blobs all over it. And the next painting was a murky gray color that had drips of purple paint streaked across it. So she walked over to the artist and said, I don't understand your paintings. And the artist explained that I just paint what I feel inside. So she looked at the paintings once again and asked, Have you ever tried Alka-Seltzer? <laughs> some of us may not understand modern art. And some of us may not understand some kinds of music. Opera, for example. I imagine that a lot of our young people can't understand opera. And, and for some of our older folks, it may be rock and roll or hip-hop or rap. We just can't understand that. There are many things in life that we just don't understand. I saw a list of the top ten things that men understand about women. And beside each number, the line was blank. I thought I might get an amen from some of the women in here. And then we have this cartoon. Any man who thinks he understands women is in for a big surprise. I oh, got an amen from a man that time. Yes, my friends, there are many things in life that we just don't understand. And today is a celebration of one of those things that we cannot fully understand. For you see, today, on the church calendar, it is, it is Trinity Sunday. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. And none of us is fully capable of understanding the notion of the Trinity. I believe it, but do I understand it? Not really. Not really. It's hard to understand. Pastor Keith Krell tells about spending some time with his young son Joshua several years ago. And, and while, while Krell was sitting in his glider, Joshua went over to his toy bag and he grabbed a tennis ball and he brought it over to, to Pastor Krell. And, and then Joshua went back to his toy bag and, and took out a small Nerf ball and returned to his father and put it in his lap. And, and then finally Joshua went and picked out a, a mini basketball and did the same thing with that. And then he tried to take all three of those balls out of his father's lap at the same time and hold them. But no matter how hard he tried, he just couldn't hold all three of those balls together. His hands were not big enough to handle all three of those balls at the same time. And Pastor Krell says that the Trinity is just like that. We can, we can handle any one of them on its own with no problem at all, but the idea of three in one is just more than our small, finite minds can handle. And that's true, isn't it? Yet still it is important for us to acknowledge this declaration of the church about God. For you see, God does come to us in three persons. 
God is the creator of all that, that lives and moves and has its being. And God came to us in the form of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, to redeem us from our sins and to establish God's kingdom here on earth. And God is present with us in the form of God's Holy Spirit to comfort us and to encourage us and to give us strength. And it is that third part of God's nature, the Holy Spirit, that's important in our text for today. And particularly how God's Spirit delivers us from one of life's most perplexing problems, and that is the problem of fear. Paul writes in our scripture lesson for today, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship and daughtership. And by him, when we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, I want us to focus for a moment on those words. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. And I want to begin our reflection of this by asking you, what is it that you're afraid of? What are you afraid of today? Everyone is afraid of something. All of us have fears in our lives that we struggle with every day. Saddam Hussein was truly one of the most oppressive dictators of our time, and many people lived in fear of him. And so perhaps it is fitting that according to some of his aides, this dictator's own life was ruled by fear. He moved from place to place almost every night, always in secret, because he was afraid of an assassination attempt. He rarely enjoyed a full night's sleep. All of his food was tested for poison every time he ate. He trusted very few people, including his own cabinet. He didn't even trust his own family. He put to death one of his own sons because he was, a, he was afraid that his son was, uh, was getting too much power and was a threat to him. And even when he was getting up in years and ha- was having trouble with his back, Saddam Hussein worked very hard to appear to be the picture of of health in front of his countrymen because he was afraid that someone might take advantage of his weakness. And you know, we attribute the number of his own countrymen that he put to death to his innate evil. But I wonder if maybe it was more the result of his fear. Fear of being deposed. Fear of losing his power or maybe even his life. So you see, fear is a troubling aspect of nearly everyone's life. It is something that we all deal with, something that we all suffer through. We all have fears. There was an article in Newsweek magazine a while back about a a young truck driver whose route takes him across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge every day. And the thought entered this truck driver's mind that one day he just might feel compelled to stop his truck on the middle of the bridge and climb out of his, his truck, out of the cab, and leap from the bridge to his death. Now, there was no rational reason for this, but that fear 
took complete control of him. So much so that he finally asked his wife to handcuff him to the steering wheel of the truck so that he could, he could, uh, uh, he could be fully assured that his deepest fear would never come true. My friends, we cannot know how many people allow their fears to torment them or at least to keep them from being the fully productive person that God wants them to be. Rosabeth Moss Cantor wrote a book, Men and Women of the Corporation, and in it, Cantor tells a revealing story of a fabric company that made complicated woven materials, and yarn breakage was always a problem during production, which added to their cost, and it hurt their ability to be competitive in the marketplace. And so a new executive came on board who believed in opening the search for new ideas and innovation to all of the employees, and he held a meeting with all of the the employees to discuss the need for change, and a veteran worker who had joined the company many years before as a young immigrant tentatively suggested an idea for ending the breakage, and it worked. And when asked how long he had had this idea, the worker replied, 32 years. (laughs) 32 years. He sat on this idea that could have saved his employer many, many thousands of dollars. But nobody had asked for his input. And even more distressing, he he did not have the courage to speak up. And to share this idea. Fear. How it drains us. And how it depletes us. And there are plenty of things to worry about in this world. One of the very real fears in today's world is that of terrorism. According to trend forecaster Faith Popcorn. There's a new type of terrorism known as distance terrorism. Ms. Popcorn says that terrorist attacks once had to be uh, perpetrated in person. But with the Internet, all of that has changed. You don't even have to be there to perform an act of terrorism today. Today, cyber terrorists are capable of creating enormous damage without even leaving their homes from anywhere in the world. Christopher Koslow, who is a counterterrorism expert, warns that Uh, that terrorism can cause large loss of life even remotely by getting online and hacking into a pharmaceutical company and changing the the formulas of the medications that they make at a plant. He also notes that terrorists can destroy an entire city block by remotely changing the pressure in a natural gas line, causing a leakage. So you see, there's a lot to be legitimately afraid of And everyone is afraid of something. But what really matters is how we deal with those fears. The Apostle Paul writes, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. So you see, God's desire is to relieve us from our fears. We all have those fears in our lives. But God wants to relieve us of those fears. But the question is, how? How is that done for us? 
Well, let me offer just a couple of suggestions this morning. We first of all defeat our fears when we acknowledge our fear and confront it. My friends, let me tell you something. No fear is ever cured by avoiding it. No fear is ever cured by avoiding it. We have to confront it. We have to acknowledge it and deal with it head on. Rachel Naomi Riemann in her, her book, Kitchen Table Wisdom, tells about her uncle who was a hero in World War II. He was a physician who was following the troops one day and, and acting on false information, the soldiers pressed forward, believing that the ridge which they were advancing on had already been cleared of enemy fire. But as they moved out from their cover, the enemy opened fire on them, and within seconds, uh, the field was covered with wounded and dying soldiers. And the enemy continued to blanket that area with fire, and so no one could stand up. Everybody was crouched down and on the ground, and, and it was more than 12 hours before air support could come and, and uh, cripple the enemy position. And during that time, her uncle was literally crawling around on his belly with supplies strapped to his back, placing tourniquets and stopping bleeding and taking messages, sometimes written on the back of old photographs and, and, and even giving last rites to dying soldiers. During all that time, bullets were whizzing by just over his head. And when reinforcements came and the enemy pulled back, it was clear that he had saved dozens of lives. And so he was decorated for this action and his picture appeared on the front page of the New York Daily Mirror. And Mrs. Riemann was seven years old at the time. And she was frankly surprised that her uncle was so courageous. He certainly didn't look like a hero. Her uncle was short, balding. Uh, he wore glasses and even had a little pot belly. And he was a shy man. He seemed uncomfortable with all the fuss that was being made over him. And then, then finally young Rachel found her moment and, and she climbed up into her uncle's lap and told him to, um, how brave that she thought he was and, and that she was sure that he had never been afraid of anything at all. And, but he told her that that is far from the case. That he had been more frightened that day than he had ever been frightened before. And she was disappointed at that. And so she said, but why did they give you a medal then? And he gently explained to her that anyone who was not afraid in a situation like war was a fool and that they didn't give medals to fools. That being, he told him that being brave does not mean being unafraid. It means being afraid and doing what you need to do anyway. Her uncle was very wise. We never solve our fears by running away from them. And so if you're afraid of speaking up in a group or if you're afraid of trusting your instincts or if you're afraid of taking a risk of any kind, it won't help to give in to those fears. It's like being afraid of crossing a bridge. That fear will not go away if you're always taking another path home to avoid the bridge. No. We deal with fear when we acknowledge it and we
confronted. And that's why our faith is so important to us in dealing with our fear. That's why faith is so important. For you see, we are not alone as we face up to our fears. God, through the power of God's Holy Spirit, is with us. And that's why Paul could write these beautiful words in the book of Romans. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave, again, to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba. Father, and the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. My friends, it is so important that we know who we are. We are God's children. We are brothers and sisters of Christ. And we do not go into any situation alone. And that is the practical implication of this doctrine of the Trinity. God created us. Christ saved us. And the Holy Spirit is always with us. And because of that, we have no fear. Time magazine had a cover some time back that was quite striking. In big bold letters was the phrase, fear not. And It was uh, quite heartening to people uh, who had a biblical background. For those words come straight from the scriptures. But the good news that time was proclaiming was not about faith in God. Rather, it was about how science is offering new hope for treating all of our fears. And that's fine. Many people with deep-seated fears are helped a lot by the, uh, the, the medication that's being produced by modern science. Yet still, the news from science, as helpful as it is, pales in comparison to that original fear not that was spoken by the angel at the empty tomb 2,000 years ago. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is alive. He is risen. And that's why Paul could write these words. We have not received a spirit that makes us a slave of fear. Because you see, on a logical basis, why would anybody who truly believes in the resurrection of Jesus be afraid of anything? Death itself has been defeated. The worst that the world can throw at us, it cannot destroy us. Christ is alive. And because of that, we will live eternally. And through the power of God's Holy Spirit, Christ is with us, encouraging us and telling us that no matter matter what, God is with us. And God loves us because we are God's children. So you see, the, the most complete victory that we can win over fear is this. It's when we walk hand in hand with Christ. There's a story about a young boy, one final story here, who had to, he had to walk each evening past a dark and spooky house. Um, and there were some adults that wanted to give him courage. So one adult handed him a good luck charm to ward off all the ghosts. Another adult 
put up a light on the corner where the house was. And still another adult said to him, It's a sin to be afraid. Trust God and be brave. And that advice was well meant, but it didn't help very much. But then someone with great compassion came to him and said, I know what it's like to be afraid. And so I will walk with you past that house. When you think about it, he really didn't do anything to remove the fear from that boy except to lift the fear from his shoulders and place it upon his own. You know something? That's exactly what Jesus does for us. He lifts the fears from our shoulders and places it upon himself. And so here's the challenge for you today. Trust him. Trust the Lord. Trust the Spirit of God that's in you. As you sit by the bedside of someone you love, and they are sick and maybe dying, God is with you. When you are called to deal with the pressures of the workplace and, and you don't, you're not sure if you're able to cope with that, there is an encourager there beside you who, who wants you to know that you matter. And so walk with confidence. You are God's and the Spirit of God is with you. So walk with confidence and embrace the Spirit of God within you. And fear not. For Christ is there. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear But you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. What great news that is for us. God is with us. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 486. Lord, here am I. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been afraid. and Maybe you are fearing in your life right now and and struggling with issues that you face. God can help you with that. God's Holy Spirit is there. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church here today. Or maybe you've been struggling with issues in your life and you just feel like you need some prayer. Maybe things are just falling upon you and and you're struggling with things and, and you're quite frankly just afraid. Afraid to deal with things. Afraid of what the outcome may be. Maybe you just need some prayer. Maybe you need to come and pray here or or I will pray with you if you like. If God is dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come forward as we sing together, Lord, here am I. Would you come?